I'm Jesse Parker. And I'm Tommy Niblack. Jesse and I are super excited to share with you episode 33 of The, the Faith Share, where we ask questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. And on today's episode, Jesse and I continue in our series, Racism in the Church, and tackle the question, what is more important? Hope you're ready. Let's get into it. What is up, everybody? It is Friday, and this is the Faith Chair with your boy, Jesse Parker. It's not Friday. What's today? It's Tuesday. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's Tuesday, because he's going to be gone on Friday. So. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking it's Friday right now. That's how, church, that's, that's how it is, like, yeah. with church folks, it's always yeah. good morning. Like, no matter what time of day. Right, it's, it's always, always good morning. It's always good morning. It's always good morning. Well, happy Tuesday. Um... Now, for many of you, you hold fast to the tradition of having tacos at some point today because it's Tuesday. Um, so that's awesome. But um, like Jesse said, I'm not going to be here Friday, so we are knocking this out right now. Yeah. Uh, that's so weird how your brain is like, yeah. my brain was just like, well, Jesse's here. We're doing the podcast. It must be Friday. It must be Friday. Um so we wanted to talk about uh, what is more important. Um, the fact that we, as the body of Christ, get back into the building or that our brothers and sisters in Christ are hurting. Um, we re recently watched a video where a pastor, um, when I say recently, we, I watched it earlier this week, Jesse just watched it. I just showed it to him. But um, it was sent to me. And it, But this video was recorded last week. So in the middle of everything that's going on, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, um, this video was sent. And in the video, the pastor was talking about uh, the fact that the church is in the battle of our lives in so many words. He said, this is where pretty much where uh, the rubber meets the road for our faith and that we have that this is a master stroke of the enemy, this whole quarantine thing, and that we have to come together and pray so we can get back into the building and fellowship. Yeah, because everything that's happened happened right. because the church was in quarantine because all this stuff that's how he just said, because everything that's happening right now is because. The church has been quarantined, and that the church can never be something that uh, thrives online. So we're going to go through um, uh, a series of a lot of what we saw in the video, have some questions based around um, some of the statements that were made in that video as they pertain to the hurt that um, minorities are feeling all across America right now, and even in 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 Europe, um, that they're just that the fact that the church is is not stepping up, not all the church, not because most a lot of churches are, they're they're speaking out against it. They're standing uh, with uh, minorities. They're walking with minorities. They're listening to their stories. Um, and they're doing any and everything in their power to show 
that, yes, we're not just going to preach about the love of Jesus. We're actually going to show the love of Jesus. Um, uh, they're doing everything in their power to do that. But there are other churches that are not, that have gotten the message or the point mixed up. And it's more important for them to get back in the building than to um, bear the burden of their brother and sister in Christ that are hurting right now. Um, so he called this a master stroke of the enemy. Yeah. But also said that God was in control at yes. the same time. What, what, do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, and we, uh, we, uh, one of the first ones, mm-hmm. one of the earliest uh, podcasts that we did, if you guys want to check it out, I think it was episode three, two, or th- it was like right at the early, I think it was, very beginning, we talked about this question of like, is God really in control to the extent that we often like to talk about mm-hmm. it? Um, and I think that the statements that we saw in the video are a perfect example of the generalizations that we sometimes make mm-hmm. that don't really fit together. Right. Like, it can't. Something this large, and and the the pastor in the video was talking about COVID nineteen as well as all the social unrest right now, uh, under the blanket of division yeah. and persecution of the church. Something this big could happen without without permission of the God who is in control of everything, mm-hmm. such that it could be a master stroke of the enemy. Uh, you know, I think is, I mean, you can't, you can't have both of those ideas right. exist in the right. same. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and, and my pushback was, and, and we've talked about this more recently with the quarantine too, is I, I see in this actually the hand of God. Yeah. Um, I think that the quarantine has provided and continues to provide an incredible opportunity for the church to redefine itself. Mm-hmm in a way that is necessary for us to continue to bring the gospel to a changing world culture. Yeah. And, um, and I don't think that that is I, I, my personal opinion and, and the genesis of this podcast for us is that I think in general, at least the American church, but I think that that is true in many ways globally as well, at least if we'll call it the Western first world church. Um, uh, I think I don't think uh, the devil is co- particularly concerned about uh, letting us just continue as we have been. I think he would be more than happy for the general wow. Western Christianity to continue wow. exactly as it is. Exactly he, as it is. I, he is definitely not going to try to do anything to wake up yeah. the giant because we're we're right. not we're not accomplishing. We're not living right. biblically. We're not we're not reaching the world with the gospel at the level that we could. Um, so I think it's silly to imagine that he would try to bring something this big. Well, historically, enemies only combat what they think is a threat. Right. So I've heard um, pastors say that this is not the new normal, that when everything is finished, we're going to go back to the same thing. Yeah. And... And it's the same model that's been losing ground it's in our society right. absolutely for for decades. Absolutely. And so I, yeah, I don't think I don't think the enemies he it would be concerned about us changing what we do, not right. continuing to do what we do. Um, Becoming aware of what's going on, standing up for it, yeah. doing something about yeah. it. That's what he wants to stop. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He doesn't want the change. Yeah. To and, and you know, in the the 
the next level of that, I think it, it has come out in, in what's all the stuff that's happening right now. Um, I think that there's, if people can, if we can, as Christians, if we can, and pastors and leaders in the church, if we can get past our preconceptions and we've talked about mm-hmm. our, how we have become accustomed to sitting on a seat of judgment mm-hmm. and condemning people outside of the church when that's actually unscriptural. So therefore it is actually, <clears throat> I was thinking about this the other day, it's actually a sin. Right. We're violating God's commandments. Right. And we are violating his will and as laid out in scripture. And therefore we're actually sinning when we do this. No, mm-hmm. we're not standing for righteousness. We're actually spreading unrighteousness. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. We're missing the fact that this is such a universal and should be such a fundamental mm-hmm. point of agreement mm-hmm. that there is an there's and I still believe this there's and that's what I'm fighting for every day mm-hmm. in all of my spheres of influence. There's an opportunity in this issue of systemic racism mm-hmm. and the devaluation and brutalization of black and brown people in our country mm-hmm. and uh, systems like that that exist in other places in the world yeah. as well still. Um, to bring a new level of unity in the church, and that's the, those two. My my view of COVID nineteen and the social unrest that's happening right now mm-hmm. is diametrically opposed to what that pastor he sees right. it as the enemy working to to isolate, weaken, right. and now divide the church right. through conflict. I actually see the opportunity being the exact opposite. Not that people are engaging that opportunity. Right. So he's not right. wrong in that it is bringing division. And yet, again, I look at Scripture and I see in the New Testament that that's essentially what was happening. And that, that you know, most well, Paul's right writings there. were, right. he was drawing lines right. between people right. who were doing right and people who were doing wrong. Mm-hmm. The church was getting stuff mixed up. Mm-hmm. They were falling away from the original teachings of Christ. Yep. So this idea that, like, the 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 church is this was this unified kumbaya situation mm-hmm. and we're not supposed to call out yeah. things that are wrong. You're not reading your Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally push back. I see, I see COVID-19 as being a, an opportunity for the church to redefine itself. Absolutely. And, and I see the, Absolutely. the social issue right now that's happening in our country of, of finally standing up and actively fighting against um, systems of racism and individual prejudice as as a rallying point, mm-hmm. a thing that, and like you said, in a lot of circles is bringing the church actually yeah. into unity, is bringing white church, black church, Asian church, Native yeah. American church, you know, Polynesian church, all mm-hmm. of us standing mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Now we're also that's also creating opposition for those who are not listening, right. not hearing, not seeing the truth, continuing to fight for the status quo. There's that side of the body, too, and that's unfortunate. But at the same time, those of us who have been separated by other less important things Mm -hmm. are rallying together because this is one very important thing. It's it's hugely important. It's when after Jesus told the disciples uh, that he's given them a new command, that they are to love each other just like he loved them. He later told them that my prayer for you is that you are made one, just like I and the Father are one. That means in everything, they're in agreement. Yeah. Their their goal is one goal. It's not two separate goals. It's not three different goals. It's one goal. Yeah. Is that we are one, that we are so united that um, 
there's no difference. Yeah. There's no difference when, when people see us. They're like, oh, I was just in Mississippi the other day, and I saw a gathering there, and now I'm in Washington State, and I'm with this gathering, and it was exactly the same. They're of the exact same mind. They're of the exact same yeah. purpose. Yeah. Um, but that is not what has happened. And, and I, I, I think, and I'm going to get back to those, uh, I believe that that purpose is a forward-moving yeah. purpose, um, which is why after quarantine, we can't go back to the way it was. Because for a lot of uh, churches, and I'm saying it like that because um, in the New Testament, and I think we've mentioned this before, or you mentioned this before on a, on a previous podcast, that churches were defined or known as um, regional. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, First Baptist Church on such and such street. Yeah. It was the church of King County. Yeah. Or the church of Dade, uh, Dade and Volusia County in, in, in Florida. Yeah. Um, but we don't have that mind and the, and the reason why we don't have that mind is because so many people are so set on doing it their own way. Yeah. And um, it, the video, and I'll, I'll probably post it in, in the comments, the link in the comments so people can, people can watch it. But, um, and you might have a different opinion after you see this video uh, um, of this pastor talking. And, and, and in no way, shape, or form, are 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 we bashing him or or anything like that we're simply asking the question what is more important if jesus was here right now would he be fighting for us to get back into the building or fighting for us to be an extension of his hands and feet to hurting people yeah um and uh for a lot of believers it's it's like well I can't be the extension of Christ's hands and feet unless I can be in the building. Yeah, you know you know so unfortunately I was <laughs> so I was just reading today actually this morning I was just reading a couple of articles on in ESPN and and I think that's the thing that's so difficult yeah. about a lot of the, these issues is you're looking around and you're seeing people who and and of course I don't. I'm not speaking about individuals mm -hmm. in the sports leagues because we don't know who believes what. Yeah. But you know, as a, as a whole, they are not religious organizations; mm -hmm. they're secular organizations. That that people in secular organizations and people who uh, may or may not be Christian, many of them are probably not. Um, especially one of the articles about the WNBA, and uh, you know, it, you know, it's just. It's well, a the fact. Patriots definitely aren't. <laughs> yeah. <I'm kidding. laughs> NFL, NBA, MLB, WNBA, yeah. you're going to have people who, you know, aren't Christian. But the conversation that was happening, it's happening amongst NBA players right mm -hmm. now as they look to reopen the WNBA, the MLB, the NFL. The players are expressing, they're asking the question, do we really want to go back to playing games? Because what we really want to do right now is be able to fully... Uh, engage in mm -hmm. this movement wow. uh, to to finally bring change to this issue that we've wow. all dealt with and that wow. has existed for too long in this country. 
And in the midst of that, mm-hmm. you have a large portion of the church who's focused on, can we get back together in the building? In other words, right, right, right. can we get back to playing our regular season? Right. I don't know, right. if, I don't know if you caught, caught the analogy, right. but it, basically the, the these players, non-religious organizations, non-religious players, are understanding that their regular season, their gathering, their church yeah. uh, may not be as important right now as being able to fully um, engage in this movement right now. I, right. Some, I posted to that on somebody else because a lot of people, a lot of Christians even who are quote unquote right. for this and mm-hmm. allies, even they are starting to express some fatigue mm-hmm. with all the protests and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look guys, this is the tip of the iceberg. The tip. This has to, this has the to tip. go until the elections in November right. Right. because we have to keep this at the forefront and the pressure on politicians mm-hmm. so that they understand that right. if I don't deal with this, I will not get elected, That's reelected, right. whatever. Mm-hmm. If they want to continue to stay in their position, uh, that they're going to have to address this because mm-hmm. that's how we're going to actually change these larger systems mm-hmm. that you and I don't have control over. So it was just it was interesting to me watching wow. these these athletes and stuff understand that and actually co- and they look there's money. I mean you're talking about they understand that if yeah, I yeah, choose not dollars. to play, yeah. I will not get paid. Right. Right. And and that may that may mean something different for NFL and, and, right. and MLB and NBA players than for a lot of us. But many WNBA players do not make a ton of money. That's right. They don't make millions and millions of dollars. Uh, they don't you know, they don't have tons of money in the bank. So asking the question, should I skip the entire season mm-hmm. because of this social issue is so important mm-hmm. that there's a real cost to that for mm-hmm. them. Um, well, that's the that's uh, that's what I posted the other day, the quote by Andy Stanley. And I've, I'm, I'm not certain that he was the only one that I heard this from, but he was the most recent person that, mm-hmm. I, that I heard say this. And he said, becoming a Christian is easy. There's no cost yeah. to just becoming a Christian. He said, but that's not what Jesus was asking then is not what he's asking now. What he's asking is for you to be his follower, to yeah. follow him. And following Jesus has a cost. Yeah. Um, and I think that... The church at large right now has not been willing to pay the cost. They haven't actually sat down and looked at what it really means to be the church. And I I think the NBA players are sitting down and saying, well, what does it really mean for me to be an NBA player? What does all this money really mean? If I'm not doing anything. Yeah. If I and and that's crazy that them and I like how you pointed out that whether they're born again or not, they're seeing that there's a bigger picture. Yeah. That there's uh uh there's an actual main point. Yeah. And that main point, um, for them, a lot of them are questioning is that main point money yeah. or is it actually making a difference? Yeah. And essentially there's two there's the articles presented two sides. Some some are saying I'm not sure I wanna play because I don't wanna be distracted. I wanna be able yeah. to fully engage in this. Some are saying yeah. It would be good for us to play because then we're 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 building we're maintaining and building and there's going to be a lot of focus on sports yeah. as they come back. So we'll have that platform yeah. to you know because of us playing, we'll have a platform to speak to these issues. But either way, they're engaging. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're seeing in the church is like you said, uh, pastors and churches and leaders who are not engaging either way. Yeah, right. They're not. They're not using the quarantine time to be able to actively participate in a level that they wouldn't otherwise be able to. Right. They're also not using their church per pulpit platforms right. 
um, which, you know, there's a lot of pastors out there with platforms equal to and greater than a lot of professional athletes right. um, using their platform um, to speak to this issue. Yeah. So it's like either way. And again, we're not saying <laughs> like <laughs> I want to get back to having church in person. Yeah. I miss people. Yeah. It's not a bad thing to want that to happen. It's not a bad thing to kind of have some anxiousness for this quarantine to end. Mm -hmm. And we all understand it needs to be done correctly. We want to keep people safe, but at the same time, it's been going on for a long time. Like, we want to get back. Yeah. Our church is reopening on, on July 12th. Yeah. A lot of churches are looking at July out here in Washington to do that. But <laughs> it's just, is that the conversation to have right now? Right. Is that the conversation to right. have right now? And it's like, it's, there's something more important going on and something less important needs to take a backseat. A backseat. I'm really confused as to how you can do your job properly or do anything properly knowing that something is wrong, that something is out of order, and it affects you. Mm. Like, how can you play basketball knowing that your coach hasn't even asked you about you know what it what your experiences have yeah. been growing up in an inner city neighborhood yeah. you know going to an all white school you, yeah. you, you know what i'm yeah. saying like you, how can you think you you've seen the power of individuals too because you there's been players even college level yeah. players yeah. not millionaires a college kid whose future and scholarship is based on whether or not the coach yeah. keeps him on the team yeah Calling out their coaches for either engaging in something that was questionable or yeah. not engaging in this issue at all. Yeah. And they just had some players call out a college coach because there was a picture of him on a fishing trip or something wearing a, a T-shirt that was, you know, not oh. didn't have a message or something. Yeah, not, yeah. I didn't see all the details. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm watching these kids yeah. exercise that, that, that um, influence. I'm just like, wow. I mean that's 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 incredible, and they know that it could cost right. them. They know what it could right. cost them. They don't. They're not million dollar athletes. They're not right. LeBron James who can, right. get, who can get fired and suspended from the league right. and be fired right. for the rest of his life. Right. Like, you know, these are kids. You know, and they're they're seeing, they're understanding how um, how momentous of a moment this is in our nation's history. Yeah. Somebody was saying, you know, like, oh, you know, we need to come up with it. What what solutions do you propose? Because protests are clearly not working. And I'm like, what? There are more, more laws have been right, changed. Right, right, right. Uh, more literal and figurative monuments of racism in our country have been torn down uh, over the last, what, two and a half, three weeks yeah. than ha ever happened in the history, including the civil rights movement of yeah. the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Nobody tore down any Confederate statues back right. then. Right. They kept them up. Right. States, they weren't even— They still flew the Confederate flag. The racing industry—I I was reading an article— um, Oh no! They want to get rid of the. They want yeah, to take NASCAR, the, to the Confederate flag. Yeah, NASCAR yeah. banned all yeah. flags at, at their races. They want to. That's never happened. Yeah, and that's be that's been because of protests. Right. That's been because of marches and dare I say right. that is in some ways related to even the worst parts of it, the destruction of property and the looting. It's it, this is serious, and the whole people across the country in all fifty states mm -hmm. and in nations around the world are making it clear. To the powers that be, that this is this is serious. This is important, and and yet then those people are looking around because I'm having these conversations. You're having yeah. these conversations. They're looking at the church, and this even happened at the. We went to one of the first rallies in Seattle, mm -hmm. 
and it started off with a bunch of pastors sharing and it was mm-hmm. really powerful and it was really good and even the guy who's an organizer I don't think that he's a Christian but his 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 direction and his encouragement was really powerful mm-hmm. and then there were some they had some organizers who are you know younger kind of grassroots on the street person to person yeah organizers for social justice they have a lot more anger, a little less seasoning, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but one of the things that came out was just like they, they have this innate recognition that uh, that the, the the church has not been standing with them in this fight. Wow! And and that is not <laughs> that is not a God that is attractive to this mm-hmm. this generation. Thank you. It won't be attractive to the next generation. And that's why I'm saying like this is not a this is not an issue that we can stay silent right. on. And we, we have to we have to recognize how important it is that this is absolutely a part of our faith. So let me let me uh, I want to I want to get back to uh, some of the statements that were made in the video. And like I said, this if you're just joining right now, uh, we watched a video where Pastor making um, casting some vision for his church, and he was talking about the fight. I don't know uh, if we want to keep talking about it unanimously, but right, we'll just right. say like this is not some some random dude with a YouTube account. Right. Like, this is a very prominent, very well known mega church pastor. Yeah. And again, uh, this is not to say that he doesn't love the Lord. He doesn't know what he's talking about or anything like that. We're just asking the question based on the video: What is more important? Yeah. He was he wasn't uh, as far as I was concerned. Uh, touching too heavily on social injustice. No. He he mentioned it, but the crux of his conversation was, uh, of his monologue, really was getting back in the church and that being... The solution. The solution. That was basically what he was saying. Yeah. Like, the, this is the, the solution to all of this right. discord. It's and us coming back together is, in a building... Yeah. People shouldn't be home and separated from each other, which those points are good. No man is an island unto himself. We've read that. Um, But he obviously, along with a lot of other pastors, have not read the statistics of church online during quarantine. Yeah. And uh, the number of first-time commitments for a lot of churches, first-time commitments to Christ. For a lot of churches, have gone up exponentially. Yeah. Online. Yeah. Small group attendance has uh, flourished online more so than it even has. Yeah. Um, in and even, and even not in line because they didn't have the choice to gather right. in large groups. So. It was like everything has. Uh, matter of fact, church attendance for a lot of. Um, uh, gatherings across the United States has grown. Yeah. I like I like how you, you said it earlier because I I have I've heard this from multiple people. Yeah. I can't, so I can't attribute it. I don't know who it came from, but I like how they put it. it. You know, again, the church building is closed, but the church is very much open. But the church and is I very think, much open. I think yep. that's the I think that's the confusion. Yeah. And even what what was it? Did you have it in your notes what he said? It was uh something about how uh it's not going to feel the same. He said it feels uh, small groups feel weird. Small group. He said, it, gathering with uh, in these small numbers, 
is going to feel weird. Yeah. In, in other in other <laughs> words, like, in other words, the idea, and, and this is prevalent in lots of churches, um, big and small, um, and probably more so than we maybe want to admit. So mm-hmm. your your heart may even push back on this when I say it, but I encourage you to actually think about it for a second and think about whether or not that actually is your your feeling. This idea is that that we can't have the same experience. With God in a small group or even on our own that oh we can gosh. have in a large gathering. And, and that's just, like, you know, like that's patently, patently, <laughs> patently unbiblical. Right. Um, and and we, we forget that really the only, the only purpose of the gathering together of the believers is to reinforce our faith amongst each other. Yeah. And equip each other to go out and to do the to ministry. To go out and do the ministry. Yeah. I heard Darius Daniel say, um, we come in to learn about forgiveness. Yeah. We come we gather to learn about forgiveness and then we get sent out to actually apply forgiveness. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, a lot of a lot of these things that we're talking about in the gatherings stay in the gathering. When it that it was never meant yeah. for that to happen. We we're supposed to be the light of the yeah. world. Instead, uh, we've become <laughs> a nuisance to the world, <laughs> and, a, yeah. and not and not we the light. The, it's the feeling of worship, right? It's the feeling of the presence. It's the you know. And, and again, nothing wrong with gathering right. in person, right? But it's not as vital as and important in, in, in large groups. As we've made it out to be, right? That's a that's a culture that we've created of church, mm-hmm. and what's really important right now, what the world needs to see right now, is men and women who call themselves believers and followers of Christ mm-hmm. being active in the ministry, which the Bible calls the ministry of reconciliation. That's right. Bringing to the love and truth of God to the world, right? Not f- worrying about whether or not we can meet in mass groups right now, mm-hmm. because again, and and. and I've had I've had these realizations that I've been dealing with some of these issues. Some of our exegetical understanding of scripture that has been passed down from generation to generation was absolutely correct fifty years ago. Right. Was absolutely correct thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. But in twenty twenty, the idea what what is there in 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 person service that I can't engage with in today digitally? Absolutely, we can share our testimonies with each other. Yep. We have Zoom, we have FaceTime, we have yep. Facebook Live. We can share the truth with each other. We can pray with each other. Mm-hmm. We, the only thing we can't do is physically touch. We can worship. We and can worship we're together. Doing that anyway. We can worship together, <laughs> and supposedly our God is omnipotent, omniscient. Right. All, all knowing, all present. Mm-hmm. The Bible says his arm is neither too short nor, nor too weak. That's right. To reach. And so distance doesn't really mean anything mm-hmm. in terms of the gathering of people. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I was thinking, you know, again, in some of the interpretations of some of the verses that talk about how the church is to engage with governing authorities and, um, and, and kind of our status and lot in life. Don't hold true in a, in a in a society that didn't exist in biblical times. We're in a democracy. We have the right to vote, which means we as Christians have an ability to change these systems. It, we that wasn't true in biblical times. Right. These were kingdoms. They they had no right. recourse other than to just right. accept things as they were and pray that their leaders would be led by God because they had no influence or power. We do. 
our vote yeah. matters. And so yeah. we have a responsibility as Christians to actively engage in issues like systemic racism mm-hmm. and use the power of our voice, the power of um, our platform, and the power of our vote to bring change to protect those who are being dehumanized, victimized, brutalized um, by the systems in our country. We can't turn a blind eye to that. We cannot turn it. And so it's just like, again, like we said, what is more important? What is What's more, more important right. is that the world sees a church that is engaging in the ministry of Christ right mm-hmm. now, not worrying about whether or not we get to come back to right. church, not being mad that people are protesting, not being angry because of, you know, seen a lot of this because Black Lives Matter supports, uh, you know, uh, queer people. It's so, and it's so like, stupid. Are we engaging in each one of our individual lives, yeah. the ministry of reconciliation, the love of Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one, you know, one of the sections of scripture that I've has been in both of my last couple of sermons has been in Matthew. I think it's twenty five. Uh, where Jesus is, he goes through the whole chapter. He's talking mm-hmm. about this is what um, the kingdom of God is like. And yeah. then he talks about the end days. Yeah. And it's interesting that he, he said, you know, the king is going to come and he's going to separate the sheep from the, the, sheep goats. From the goats. Yeah. And he, he doesn't talk about our faith. Mm-hmm. He doesn't talk about our gathering in church. He doesn't talk about salvation. He doesn't talk about forgiveness. He doesn't talk about any of that. Y'all, I don't know. I mean, dude, all, this is the same <laughs> book that we all yeah, have. Yeah, it's the same book. Same book what, we all what have. What he talks about, this. what he says the standard is going to be in separation between those who get the inheritance of right. heaven and those who don't. That's right is what did you do to the least of these? What did what did you, you how did you in other words, how did you treat the people around right. you in their greatest moments of need? Did you did see you, them? Yeah. Did you hear them? Did you walk with them? Not did you pray for them? Did you feed them? Right. Did you give them water? Did you right. clothe them? Did you visit them in prison? Did you care That's for right. them when they were sick? Mm-hmm. And then he says, the ones who did that, you did that to me. That's right. And so I want to encourage you guys, like, as we're trying to decide what's more important, you need to understand, we all have to understand, how we treat the person next to us, Oh gosh. black, brown, white, red, green, yellow, orange, whatever, uh, uh, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, uh, straight, queer, whatever, how we treat them is how we treat God. And God is going to judge us on Judgment Day Yo. based not upon our faith, our belief in Christ, but upon our actions towards the people around us. They're going to, and that's another thing that's going to probably come up in a lot of churches right now because they're missing the, they're missing what is actually important. The whole uh, verdict that was passed down yesterday mm-hmm. about um, uh, the LGBTQ plus community having equal labor law rights. Yeah. Um, Pastors are going to be all over that. Just yeah. like another thing to complain about. Just throw it up there with the looting. Throw it up there with, you know, stop complaining about uh, racism because it, it doesn't exist. Um, and I love what you just said. Jesus is going to, uh, when the king comes back, he's going to separate the goats and the sheep. He's like, what did you do for me? Not saying, what I, I love how he also told the um the the expert in the law uh, when he asked him well what do you think the greatest commandment is and he said to love your neighbor and Jesus said you you've answered correctly and then he said well who who's who's my neighbor yeah <laughs> well, well you tell me who my neighbor yeah. is and then Jesus proceeds to tell him the story 
of a Jew who was beaten and robbed, and other Jews walked by him and left him there. Then someone of mixed race came and helped him. Not just helped him, but he went the extra mile for him. He paid... He 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 gave him medical help, mm-hmm. and he put him up. Yeah, and he paid in case the guy needed to uh, recover longer in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, "That guy." He asked the question. Now, who do you think the the one who did right in this scenario was? And he said, "Well, obviously the uh, uh, the um, the um, the leader in the law said." Obviously, it wasn't the the Jewish leader or the Levite. It was the guy, the Samaritan. Yeah. And I can I can only imagine him, his face and his emotion when he had to answer. It yeah. was a Samaritan. The Samaritan. Right. So, <laughs> it, was, it was the Samaritan. Because he knew at that point he was he was caught. Mm-hmm. He he had to he had to address the racism, the bigotry mm-hmm. in his heart. Yeah. The fact that we are, one of the things that was said in, in, in the video was that, um, uh, oh gosh, what, what did he say? Um, it's slipping my, my mind right now. But um, he was adamant about the fact that we have to get back into, oh, he said, um, we'll abide by the laws for now, insinuating that at some point we're going to have to actually fight for our right to get back into mm-hmm. the building. Yeah. There are people, and the story was based around, in, Ma- in, in Matthew, when Jesus is telling this parable, he's talking to a religious leader, mm-hmm. a leader of the law, someone who had the knowledge but was missing the point. Yeah. We have to stop. We have to stop thinking that the knowledge changes us, mm. because without application, there yeah. is no transformation. Yeah, that's good. And we have these pastors. We have these spiritual leaders that are like they're going to harp on these things that don't. That at the end of the day, the world is going to look at us and be like, "You guys are idiots. What's wrong with you? Like, is that who really Jesus is?" Yeah. Is that who God really is? And you want me to serve him? You want me yeah. to be like you guys? That's how God looks at us, too. And, and there's an issue that's happening right now. That you have an opportunity, that we, the church, have an opportunity to actually be the hands and feet of Christ. And I love what you just said. It doesn't matter if they're black, brown. You say gay or lesbian. By whatever People need to know that we see them, we hear them, and we walk with them. The, I, I, I love the whole movement of belong before believe. I don't know if you, yeah. uh, you're, pre- you're pretty familiar with that, but that is how gangs recruit. That's how most recruitment happens. If people don't know that they belong first, they'll never believe or join the cause. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do it. But we are constantly telling people that you don't belong. You don't belong because here. I don't care about your problem. Your, your sin is unacceptable. Right. I talked I talked about this yesterday. I was like, come on, guys. Like, we, we fight so harshly against 
um, we fight so harshly against gay marriage. And it's like, are they are they going to double hell because they're gay and they got married? Like, how does that change change anything? Like, but we but we we don't we don't. You said double hell. <laughs> like, so what? Right. Why is it that gay people can't get married, but we right. don't we don't fight against. Uh, we don't fight against idolaters getting married. We don't fight against gossipers getting married. We right. don't fight against felons getting married. We don't fight against false prophets or false teachers getting married. We don't fight against anyone else who commits sin getting right. married. So why why is their sin different? And the reality is it's not. Yeah. And we've missed it. We've completely and we've missed told, it. And we've, we've told an entire community and, and, and by extension, all the people who support them that, that, that God is not for you. You don't have a place here. Um, God cannot love you. Um, and, and so then there's no opportunity for repentance. There's no opportunity for change. And and, and we, we, again, we, we create these tears of sin yeah. as if their sin is worse than our sin was. And, and, and that was the point. I, I, I made the point. I was like, well, let's, let's imagine a different scenario. Mm-hmm. Let's, let, you remember when... Uh, the Pharisees brought the adulterous woman yeah. and threw him in front of Jesus with the accusers and, and quoted the law and said, well, what do you say? And, and essentially what Jesus was teaching us was that, you know, we can't condemn sinners because we are sinners. Because we are sinners. He who is without sin cast the first right. stone, right? Right. Uh, and and I, I hate to be the one to bring this reality to the church, but we need it. We need to understand that we've just been stone throwers. We've just for a long been, time, we've been stone that's right, throwers. That's right. And and that's, we've been making our stones. That goes exi- <laughs> that goes completely against the teachings right. of Christ. And so the the imagination was, I was like, okay, let's change the scenario. Yeah. This let's change this. Not a heterosexual, uh, uh, adulterous woman. Let's mm-hmm. let's say it was a queer woman. Yeah. Do we think that Jesus's teaching would have changed? Do we think that he, he the principle would Come be different? Now. Come Do you on think now. that he would have said, oh. God, right? Oh, right. She, oh, she's oh, she's gay. That Roll the stones, the guys. That Anybody got a big thing. one for me? Right. No, right. what? Right. No, no, because right. her, their sin is no different from our sin. That's right, right. And God has love and an opportunity for forgiveness for all of them. Um, Who's talking, Mally? And I think the 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 bottom hey, line, the bottom line is that um, my mission yeah. as a pastor and as a white male American is to do whatever I have to do to ensure that every single person gets treated the same as I do That's right. as a white heterosexual male mm-hmm. in this in this Christian mm-hmm. in this country. If everyone's not getting treated the same as me, then mm-hmm. there's a problem. Cuz cuz Christ is at stake. Yeah. Them coming to know Christ is at stake and you and I are conduits of of that, and we don't want to get in the way of that. We're we're called to be the light yeah, of the yeah. world. And we we talked about this verse, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's perfectly. I don't know if the phrase is apropos, but um, there you know in 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 scripture, uh, and we we probably should have looked it up. Um, but uh, yeah, I can look it up online. Huh? Um, Jesus um, is is instructing people about uh, forgiveness, mm-hmm. and uh, he says, you know, if you're on the way to the temple. To worship, or you know, and that's why I said look it up because I don't remember if it's to worship or, or uh, present an offering. Although that would be one and the same thing to Jews. Um, and you remember that you have, uh, you know, you have an offense. Matthew five twenty four. Leave your gift before the altar. 
Yeah, what's the whole thing say? Let's so, go ahead and read it. Matthew five twenty four for those who are, you know, I think it's more than just that one verse. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Come on. Like, we got to read that five times. This this isn't saying to the offended. If you go and you offer and you remember that you have not forgiven someone, this is talking about the offender, right? He said reconcile quickly with your Reconcile adversary. quickly. So, again, if we're asking what's more important, if the for the church to engage in this fight for racial reconciliation, uh, to dismantle the systemic racism that we've Jeez. allowed to continue in this church— uh, or in this country um, that we we cannot not take responsibility for us because we always want to call back to the glory days yeah. of America when there was prayer and Bibles in school and everybody was a Christian. And you know really? what that era was? You know when that existed? It was when they owned slaves. Hmm. Okay, so this wow. definitely falls on our plate. We right. allow these systems to continue. Um, and again, like I said, we... we uh, we controlled the last election, and we can control the next one. Yeah. Uh, we're the voting majority, the wealth majority, the political uh, position power majority um, as white Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we have to engage in this because this trying to fight to go back to church and not engage in this fight is the same as going to present your offering. Right. Remembering that a brother it has been offended, hurt, damaged by you ignoring that and continuing to to give your offering good and that verse right there that teaching from our lord jesus christ tells us that that is the opposite of what he calls us to do Mm -hmm. and so i think you asked a question earlier Mm -hmm. tommy what would jesus be doing right now jesus would be out there in the streets i believe jesus would be walking the streets of Chaz, yeah teaching the gospel yeah uh, yeah and calling people to repentance yeah he would be loving them. He would be yeah. showing that he stands with them. Mm-hmm. He would not be worried about because he understood. If I can't, if I haven't made it right with my brother and sister, I, I'm not. Right I have no. With I God. have no place. Right. I, I have no. I am not right with God. That's yeah. right. It, it, I, we've been teaching on this, uh, and I mentioned part of this at Freedom Point uh, last week mm-hmm. or two Sundays ago when we recorded. Um, we've been preaching a series on the the fruit of the spirit and. Uh, the last two that I preached on was um, um, kindness and goodness. Mm-hmm. And kindness in the Greek is the meeting of tangible needs. Yeah. Right? It's not just being a nice person. It's actually your kindness is in your your actual <laughs> actions of meeting the needs right. of people around you. Coupled that with goodness, goodness in the Greek means to live um, um, spiritually, morally, spiritually morally. and morally excellent, mm-hmm. which means that I have to be excellent not just in my relationship with God, but in my relationship with people. Mm-hmm. And how am I how am I excellent in my relationship with people? It is through kindness, right. meeting tangible needs. Right. Right. And these are the fruit that are supposed to be produced in the life of the Christian who is led by the Spirit. It's amazing so, he didn't use the word nice. Yeah. We're not called to be nice. No. We're called to be kind. There's, yes. a, there's a complete difference. Yes. Two, two different words, two different meanings, and we are called to be kind. Yeah. yeah. And then right. uh, just this last Sunday, I taught on faithfulness, mm-hmm. which is not that not the idea of faithfulness that we get from when people call us right. faithful at church. Oh, because right. you're always here and you do everything that's needed, right? So this holy, like the, the Greek faithfulness is you have a belief in God. It's the same word. Pistis is translated faith and yep, faithfulness. Pistis. But there's 
there's faith, the belief in God. And then there's this idea that um, it is how we live out the will of God as it is revealed to us. So it's, it's our day to day. I am, I have faith, but I am only faithful when I do the will of God. Right. That's obedience. Yeah. yeah. And salvation yeah. only comes to the faithful. It connects back to faith without works is dead. And, and, and we pray, uh, one of the verses is we, we pray that God gives you the power to accomplish the good works that your faith prompts you to do. That's faithfulness. So there's these three uh, aspects of the fruit of the Spirit that we see are only produced when we are actively engaged with the people around us, meeting their needs in ex moral and spiritual excellence it. with faithfulness, accomplishing God's will. And That's like we it. said, we just pointed to the verse. We're walking in sin if we try to continue to worship That's right. while knowing that we have offended a brother or sister. That's right. And right now, uh, white American church Christians need to understand that we have a whole segment of the body of Christ that is hurt, damaged, right. and offended with us right now. Yeah. And we, we should not be worried about gathering together and worshiping together until we have addressed that. That's absolutely and, right. And, and There's no way. You can't be a follower of Christ and go back to the way things were. Mm. Like, I can't even stand up on stage well, because I'm black. I can't even stand on stage and sing without thinking, we haven't, we haven't discussed this. There are people there that would rather I not bring up racism at all or the fact that you can't we can't you can't say you believe in forgiveness but not actually go forgive you can't say you believe in reconciliation but not actually go and reconcile yeah um you can't do that by yourself the only way iron can sharpen iron is if there's another piece of iron we we can't do this life by ourselves you cannot be a christian and be by yourself because yeah. everything hinges on doing life with yeah. another yeah. person. Yeah. You, we have to do this together. And that does not mean coming back. And here, here's the thing. Because what he said in the video, he used the word fellowship. He said, if we can't get back together and fellowship, when was the last time you actually fellowshiped? Well, all right, not when was the last time. In January when you were able to on Sunday morning, and it was regular Sunday morning, mm-hmm. did you actually fellowship? Or was it I was preaching, and then I was tired, and I couldn't wait to get in the car? For me, when I'm finished two services, I'm ready to go to sleep. I maybe talk to two people, mm-hmm. and then I'm out. Yeah. And for a lot of, for a lot of uh, um, pastors... That is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. They'll do one, they'll do two, three gatherings, maybe four or five, some of these uh, bigger churches, and they're like spent, completely spent. They may talk to two or three people, say, hey, how are you doing? But for me, fellowship means, and I'm not go- getting into the, the Greek uh, word or the, even the actual definition of it, but for me, Fellowship means I get to actually spend time. Relationship. Developing a relationship with another person or group of people. Yeah. Uh, And I have yet to to be able to do that. Yeah. On a Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. So engaging in a common activity with somebody is not fellowship. Right. 
I don't. <laughs> fe- you don't fellowship with the guys on your soccer team. You play right. soccer with them. The f- you know, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, was f- the first one the Fellowship of yeah, the Ring? Fellowship of the Ring. They were on a journey together. together. Yeah. They were like fighting together. They yeah. were sleeping outside and, and that's, of the that's star the together. That's the biblical picture right. of it, right? That they were they broke bread together they with broke each other together, every yeah. single day. Every single. They yep. they you know they were engaged in ministry. They were engaged with yeah. learning. They were engaged with their faith. But they yeah. were engaged in relationship with each other on a daily basis. That's um, where the rubber we, meets the We can't. We we can't grow in the definition of fellowship that has been given to us or shown to us like we're supposed to. Yeah. So in church as normal. In church as normal. Which is why we have an opportunity to create a new normal. But there are so many Christians and pastors and leaders who are fighting against that yeah. notion. They just want to get back to things as normal. And it's, and in my pushback again it is what does the Bible say? It says look yeah. at the fruit. Yeah. So go back to January. Was were any of these issues, social issues, getting dealt with when we were gathered no, together? No, no, it was a, it was a blind eye. Right. If it doesn't, and if it ain't people, broke, and, don't fix and it. And like I said, people were like, "Well, we if we want to fix America, we need to get uh, Bibles and prayers back in school." That, right. That's not a bad thing. But I pushed back that that's the mission ingredient because we had a right. we had the majority of the history of our country. We had prayer and, and right. Bibles in the school. And we were owning slaves, and we were in Bro, civil war over it. And nobody we were wants to see lynching that. <laughs> Christians who went to church on Sunday <laughs> and grew up in schools with prayer and Bibles yeah. were lynching black people on Saturday. Like, that's not the mission. The missing ingredient is authentic relationship with yeah. God and with right. each other. Relationships that challenges. It's very difficult yeah. for me to be a racist if I'm in authentic relationship that's with right. people who look and live and come from cultures and backgrounds different from mine because right. I get to know them and I get to realize they're exactly the same that's as right. me. That's right. right. That's but right. It's, it's the it's the it's the facade of fellowship. It's the facade of relationship that we've built on Sunday mornings. Yeah. And everyone's fighting to get back to it. And it really, it's not the most important thing. So and he, it needs it needs to be shifted and redefined. So he said that the, uh, where is it? That we need the only solution. The only solution is revival in the church. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily disagree, no, but, but what is the actual... But what does he call revival? Revival only <laughs> happens when we're all able to That's gather what, That was my question. That, that was my question. <laughs> it was going to be, what should that actually look like? And the word revival, I think we throw that around so much in the church yeah. without actually understanding what it really means. Yeah. Revival is something that, and you're saying that the church is dead. Because to revive means to bring back to life. You're Mm -hmm. bringing, you're putting life into something that has lost it. Um, Now, if he's meaning the church has lost its life, has lost the life, the abundant life that Jesus died for us to have, and we've missed the, the point of that. Which is true. Then yes. But he sees that as right. being true only because we can't meet together. Because we right can't now. meet together, right. Yeah. So in the definition, the actual definition of the word revival, what does what should that look like right now as it pertains to this conversation? What's, I, I what's think we're seeing it left and right. I think revival's yeah. happening right now. Yeah. I think I think the church is waking up. I think uh, white church, mm-hmm. white Christians in America, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot are engaging in the conversations. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, told the story in, I think, our last podcast 
um, that there was a couple in our church in their 70s yeah. who's had this, what's going on forced them to ask a question that, and engage dope. in a conversation with a friend of theirs yeah. and realize something that they had not learned over the 70 plus years of life. That that's, that's, that's revival. Yeah. That's, that's what's happening. Yeah. And again, the, the, the pandemic is forcing churches to reevaluate themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we, how do we want to do things differently? How can we do things? Yeah. How should we be doing things differently? Let's redefine what that's revival. Yeah. Yeah. And it's coming out of these things that some church leaders <clears throat> and Christians are condemning as attacks of the enemy. Yeah. And again, like we've talked about, I think all throughout the pandemic, there's an opportunity that's being missed by so many people who just want to get back to the way things that's were. Right. That's but right. the way things were, were not, they weren't accomplishing anything. Yeah. They weren't, we're not reaching the world. We're yeah. progressively from generation to generation losing ground. Um, uh, you know, against other religions and atheism, yeah. so the the gospel is not winning right now. Um, we're not winning the battle on um, social justice mm-hmm. issues that are absolutely have to do with your faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, if you don't believe that, I'm praying for you, Tim. I'm Tim dealing Keller. with I'm dealing with people like that, yeah. and it's sad. And most of them don't want to have their eyes open at all. But if you read your Bible and you think that it's not important for us to treat each other equally, then I don't know what Bible you're reading. It's it's a, it's a shame. But I, the bottom uh, line is, church as it was yeah. was not effective. Mm-hmm. It needs to change. It has to change. And and you're right. Mm-hmm. We need to stop calling it fellowship. Sunday morning is not fellowship with the believers. That's right. Fellowship happens when you break bread together. That's right. Fellowship happens when you have people over. You get to know them. That's right. Fellowship happens in small groups. That's why I told I was telling someone Patrick like it would to me. I don't. I it I, it might not be the end of the world. It might actually be the birth of revival. Yes. If churches were no longer able to meet in groups of larger than twenty, if we forced the entire right. church in the world to go back to small groups. Tim Keller thinks like, I think it should that, be like no more than a hundred. Yeah. He uh, did he say a hundred? Uh, he was, but he was agreeing with the small group model is going. He said, I believe that is what it should be. Yeah. And you know who Tim Keller is. Yeah, there's accountability, right. vibrancy. Right. Um, there's much more understanding and ac- applicability of mm-hmm. biblical principles yeah. in smaller gatherings of people. Um, and so it's like we're fighting for something that is not important, and we're we're failing on the other side of it. Like basically, what that scripture in Matthew chapter five was that verse twenty four, yeah. but twenty three through twenty five, whatever, uh, is telling us is that. Our our worship, what we engage in as Sunday morning, is worthless if we are morally corrupt towards our brothers and sisters. If we offend them, treat them poorly, um, engage in actively or through acquiescence in systems, um, in individual and mass <laughs> systems that that harm other people. Um, wow. Based upon things like the color of their skin, things that God created them to be, made them to have, um, and that, that then our worship is worthless. Oh, it's and what, completely what, worthless. What I look for people who will worship me in spirit and in truth. Right. Which means vulnerable. They know who they know the truth about who they are, and they know that He knows the truth about who they are. That's one. So yeah. they know that that God knows the truth about who they are. Two, they know the truth about who they are. Three, they know that their brother knows the truth yeah. about who they are. And they and they live life knowing that's that is why Paul said, I believe Paul said, Oh no man nothing but to love him. 
you shouldn't be, you, there should be, I should be holding nothing over your head. You should be holding nothing over my head. We should be vulnerable yeah. and open and transparent with each other. Yeah. And I, I, I think the, the problem with the mindset of let's just get back in the building is that it's easier to hide behind the pulpit preaching. It's easier to hide behind the guitar, the keyboard singing, and just sit and listen to what the preacher has to say and then leave yeah. without any accountability. It's easier to do that. Yeah. Because then we don't have to talk about the stuff. You could just you could just get me high, yeah. spiritually high. He's, he mentioned something about being saturated in the presence of God. Well, let me... We've talked about this before. The pushback I want to make is the Holy Spirit does not... First of all, None of that Old Testament mindset happens anymore as far as it falling, the yeah. anointing falling, the Holy Spirit coming. And also. That he lives in us. He lives in us. So the saturation and things like that, if you have this mindset of we just want to be saturated in the presence of God and, and, and it, the anointing only happens when we can corporately come together. Well, what is the point of that? If after you leave... You have not allowed that saturation to change you so that you can be mm, come on the hands and feet of God, wow. of Jesus in yeah, the earth. Yeah, yeah. What you, is the right, point of that I, if you still <laughs> don't care about your brother's and sister's story or we, their pain? We mentioned it once before, and it's worth noting because just like the, the white church, yeah. it's a it's a terminology that's shocking and yet perfectly applicable. And I credit it to my friend Joel Grubbs. Uh, he will be. He knows he will be the one to say the controversial mm-hmm. thing. But it was perfect. He, he, in speaking about that yeah. type of mindset and that type of approach to Christianity, is it, he called it spiritual masturbation. And that's exactly what it is. That's exactly. We what come it together is. for something fake and artificial to receive a feeling that makes us feel good, Unrelational. but has no actual life. Right. In it. Right, right. I mean, that, that's selfish. A, that's it's a, selfish. That's essentially the definition of masturbation, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 you're right. Yeah, it's like we say we want to come together for these experiences, but for what? Oh my God! What are they accomplishing? It's are artificial they, pleasure. Are they bringing life? Are they bringing pre- pleasure to anyone else? Yeah. No, right. it's right. about you, and it's about something fake. Yeah, it's about something imaginary. Yeah. it's not real, and it doesn't actually do anything for you other than make you feel good. You don't have to get vulnerable. You don't have to be in a relationship because what what you don't have to be in a relationship. What is more vulnerable? And if you're not married, watching this or listening to this, you you you're not going to uh, you'll be able to understand it, but relate to this point. What is more vulnerable than standing there in front of your spouse, completely naked, yeah. and engaging in uh, that? intimate relationship that is very vulnerable yeah you can't you can hide you can try to hide but your 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 spouse will know something is wrong they will know Mm. but you don't have to you don't have to engage in any of that with with the masturbation process which is why i love that word as it pertains to this yeah spiritual masturbation i don't have to i don't have to get open or honest or anything yeah. I could just go, lift my hands, go through the form, yeah. go through the motions, and then bounce. Yeah. People, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. Highly favored. Bye. God bless you. Have a blessed week. Yeah. Never, ever having to open up. Mm-hmm. And we've been fine with that. Matter of fact, 
we, a lot of churches have uh, applauded that and said, like you just said, called it fellowship. Yeah. And that's not, it's artificial. And and that can't be what's what's important. Yeah. It, it can't be what's important. One of the other points that I'll make is uh, we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago, I think, or it might have been at Freedom Point mm-hmm. where it came up, but a lot of the push from pastors to get back to reopening church has got nothing to do with fellowship. It's got to do with this. Come on. Y'all see his hands? It's I the, can't do a close It's got up. to do with the money. It's got to do with the money. And that's the same thing that's keeping churches and pastors from addressing the issues of racism yeah. because it will cost them money. It's going to cost them. It's going to cost them followers. Yeah. Those those ultra patriots and those ultra conservatives who can't see anything past their own contrived reality are, yeah. are not going to want to go to a church. That's right. Where we talk about systemic racism and where we um, protect our brothers and sisters. And when we say, hey, you know what? We don't affirm your life choices, but we're going to allow, you know, LGBTQ people to come to church here because God loves them, too. And yes. their sin is no worse than our sin. Yes. My sin is pride. Your sin is this. Your sin is that. Who are we to judge? Yeah. God has has forgiveness and reconciliation for all of them. We can't cut people off from the, the opportunity to access that. Yeah. Inviting someone to church who is gay is no different than inviting somebody to church who's a liar or a cheater or a... Right, it's uh, no sin is different from the other. So these pastors understand if I stand up for social justice issues, I'm going to lose followers, yeah. which is money. And if we don't reopen soon, we're also losing money. It's right? so it's, it, it's, it has uh, nothing wow. to do with safety. It has nothing to do right. with justice. And like you said, it has nothing to do with very much that's actually spiritually tangible and mm-hmm. real and mm-hmm. biblical. Mm-hmm. It just has to do with our own ideas. Our misappropriation of biblical misappropriation, terms. That's right, absolutely. Um, and this hollow Christianity. Yeah. Um, that that is part of what I believe this season in the world. That's good. I like that. Is allowing us to identify mm-hmm. and and re re uh, reshape and redefine who we want to be, if we're willing to see the truth. What is what does Jesus say? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has eyes to see, let him, let him see. see. Like. There's two, some, two people, more things. some people aren't going to have the ears and eyes. And right. That's, that's, well, he even said. You throw up your hands at that point. He even said when he was talking about um, uh, new wine and old wineskin. Yeah. Before the end of that chapter, I'm not sure how chronologically it played out. But when we read it, it's the end of the chapter. Yeah. Jesus said to the disciples, there are, or to the people he was telling that parable to, he said, there will be some who will not accept the new wine. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. There's, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and, and that's what we're seeing right now. But there was a couple of things that he said, and we touched on it, but just to reiterate, if you're joining now, uh, what we believe is in line with God's heart and how Jesus lived on the earth. He said... Some things, I'm just going to read the statements, uh, and we'll talk about them. Watching online can never be the church, and we're facing the battle, the battle of our faith. Um, and this and this is the war that we're waging. Mm-hmm. So, can... All right, again, I partially agree. 
with uh, church can never be online as church is actually defined, as the Greek word ecclesia is actually defined. Well, I'd say it differently. I'd say the way we do church can absolutely be online. Well, I mean, <laughs> I was, that's why I said I partially agree. I partially agree because as it's defined, it's a gathering of, of people. Uh, it's actually the military was using it before believers actually, it, it became something that was mm -hmm. widely known because they were gathered for one cause and a mission. Um, but as that definition states, I mean, yeah, we do have to be like, I, I'm not going to go fight a war by myself. Like yeah. I, need, I need some people with me. But as he said it, can church ever be online? Like, can we can we do what we've been doing? I'll stay. I'll I'll say it like that. I'll ask it like that. Can we do what we've been doing online and still see success? It's well, again, I mean, it's, how do you define success? I think um, it wouldn't be any different. So if what yeah. you've been having this has been success, yeah, then I think that yeah, absolutely you continue. You could do it online and have success because. I mean, online church is just the ultimate manifestation of the current model of Christianity and, and its fakeness and its, <laughs> and its, its um, to use the term, virtual reality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the only thing you can't do is change the yeah. pastor's clothes and the, and the instruments that the band is, are using. <laughs> Who that knows? would be so. Who knows? We got we got virtual reality goggles. It might be coming soon. <laughs> but like I think it's just it's oh, it's the ultimate like uh, uh, manifestation of that model. Yeah. Let like let's stop pretending and let's just admit yeah. that this isn't about f fellowship or relationship or changing or going and doing anything. It's just about getting the feeling, and you can totally do that online. Yeah. You could get the feeling online. Yeah. You know, I mean, it might be different. I guess yeah. it, it would be like watching a concert versus going to a concert. Yeah, you're not going to get the smoke machine and all the right, lights right. and everybody singing together necessarily. So maybe you won't get the you don't you can't get the full experience or like watching right. a sports game on TV. Right, right. But you're I don't know. Get, Some people you're going to get you're going to get better view and right. different. You, know, you get I, the front row now. Different viewpoints <laughs> than you would get there if you were there in person. So there's some right. pros and some cons to it. Um, but our, as we've seen in the numbers, people are still getting saved. Um, the actual church numbers are going up. Um, more people are so. If you had fifty, uh, seventy-five physically in your in the building online, those churches that had seventy-five physical bodies in the building. Those numbers have even tri have tripled in most cases. Yeah, their viewership online. So, the message of the gospel for those particular churches is getting out yeah. to to more yeah. people. So, generally um, across the board, I think yeah. it's something like sixty something percent of churches have maintained or increased their giving right. levels. Right. I was thinking about it earlier. I was like, I wonder. It'd be interesting to see if it was primarily the larger churches that were seeing the drop off. I, I wouldn't wonder. be surprised if that was actually true. I wonder. Because um, most of the pastors that I talk to who are pastors of, you know, smaller congregations, not mega churches, mm -hmm. um, have seen an incredible outpouring of generosity. Which is crazy. This. I wonder if it's because other people, I wonder if people are watching that don't attend and are supporting yeah, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like I know, I know at our church, like, you know, we opened up a special benevolence fund to mm -hmm. help people 
uh, in our community who might face some some unforeseen circumstances yeah. because of the COVID stuff and mm-hmm. people losing their jobs and all that kind of mess. And, and so, you know, people maintained their ties and then we're giving generously to that on yeah. top of that. Um, you know, so I think I don't think a lot of churches have seen that, like as we've understood the need in the community, mm-hmm. um, you know, true believers have been, you know, I don't even want to say true because we, you know, sometimes we give just for the feeling of that we did something good and God's happy with us now. So, yeah. But I think people's hearts have just been spurred to generosity. Of course they think that. Which, which is beautiful. <laughs> but when you yeah. have when you have larger churches who that have, first of all, in, you know, insane budgets. Yeah. They have huge staff. They have payroll. They have, uh, you know, giant mortgages on these, you know, crazy facilities and all that kind of stuff that they have to pay for. Mm-hmm. Um you know, even a, a small drop off because you're not able to meet in person could have yeah. big impacts on that on that yeah. budget, and so it's not surprising to see the kind of that push and that cry for like let's get back together because we gotta <laughs> we gotta pay. <laughs> I, it's, I've I've heard people say yeah we gotta we still gotta keep the lights on we still gotta do that and you know that and we've we've talked about <clears throat> that in a previous podcast is a, a building like that. Um, necessary. And one of the things Tim Keller said, um, he said, I, this could just, he said, this could just be me, but I really believe that in certain cities, certain states, there should be um, a plethora of smaller congregations. Yeah. He said, with maybe one or two large churches. Um, he said, so that there could be the gathering of all of those small ones in yeah. in one place from time to time. Oh yeah, that, yeah that um, cool. and I thought that was amazing. I was like, wow, that's that's yeah. that's that's a pretty cool like, idea. We talked about you know, the right. you know, the church should reflect the community. So, it should reflect the community. You know, you could you could have a, a local neighborhood church in New York, and they could have five thousand members because right. population density. Right. But when you have a mega church, you know, like. You know, we have there's a lot of mega churches like in Texas, mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. Although there's some population density, but a lot of times you're talking about people traveling 20, multiple minutes, you know, outside right, of their right, own community right. to attend a church that doesn't operate in their community. That's right. Um, just to be a part of this big fancy yeah. ministry. Yeah. And I think that that detracts, like you said, from the authentic fellowship, yeah. from the authentic evangelism, the the person to person engagement of our faith, mm-hmm. um, where we live. Yeah. Right. So, um, but the the, yeah, the what was the last the thing war. about it? Yeah, the, about this it is the war, the battle of our faith. What is the actual? Uh, and we know what he's saying, but what is the actual battle of our faith? And and if we're engaged in war right now, what is the actual battle? You know, I, w- I would say that because it's not to get back into the building. <laughs> a, while, a while ago, and I can't remember if it was this year or last year, um, I had the chance to preach a message about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And what I came to realize was that the kingdom of God um, is is not it's not the church. Yeah. Um, it's not defined as any kind of facility or structure that mm-hmm. we build. Um, the kingdom of God is established and built in the individual hearts of people who are submitted to his kingship. That's what a kingdom is. 
Um, so it's not just about being saved. It's Jesse, about being that's submitted. Not, that is not true. Don't, that's not true. <laughs> la, 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 don't, la, la. don't tell. Don't what's spread the, where's those the, lies. Where's the three monkeys? <laughs> um, don't tell those And lies. so I think the the real battle is in individual people who mm-hmm. call themselves followers of Christ mm-hmm. actually being submitted to his kingship in the sense that what he says goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I simply obey. That's right. So when we see a scripture, a teaching from Jesus that says, hey, if you're if you're trying to go to church and worship, but you remember that you offended, hurt yeah. somebody, did something wrong to somebody, yeah. turn around. Yeah. Don't go offer me some fake worship. Yeah. Go like, yeah. I would be obedient. When I'm obedient to that, I'm establishing the kingdom of God. And you even I, talked about court. The next the next one was if you're on your way to court, reconcile quickly. With your adversary while you're still on your way to court. Otherwise, he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Mm-hmm. This jo- Jesus is not playing nope. with the whole. No. Nope. And, that, and that's the war. Yeah, and, yeah. Following, and what does he say? The two commandments. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord your God with all that you are. Yeah. Essentially, summarizing. And love love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. In other words, treat them the way that you would want to be treated in that situation. You know, if we're living in obedience to that, daily obedience to yeah. that, like I said, faithfulness. Yeah. If we're living in faithfulness, then we're establishing the kingdom of God. Yeah. And that's the battle. Mm-hmm. The fight, the Great Commission is essentially to, yeah. it's not to build churches. That's right. It's not to get people saved. Mm-hmm. So it's the great, I don't know if you knew that, the Great Commission is not about getting people saved. It's about making disciples. That's right. Disciples are. Well, that's what he said. Go and make disciples. Yeah, he said go and make disciples. (laughs) Disciples are those who are submitted to the kingship, the rulership of God. In other words, we are the ones who are faithful to execute his will on the earth. That's right. Both as it is revealed in general in scripture and in the specifics as the spirit leads us in our day-to-day lives. The the macro level and the micro level. That's always the fight. Mm -hmm. And I I battle, like, of course we want to stand up Mm -hmm. for what's right. But the Bible itself, Revelations, Jesus himself, when he talked about the end days, we understand that... this privileged position that the church has lived in in world society over the last however you know hundred you know the centuries and basically ever since Rome adopted us as adopted Christianity as the official religion and we pretty much ran Europe and then ran a lot of the Western world and and culminating for a lot of people in America rising (laughs) as the uh, as the nation of God right. Um, it is, it's, it's a false construct that we understand is going to f- fall away. Mm-hmm. At some point, the world is going to turn against the church. Everything's going to get crazy and dark and, and twisted. And so the fight cannot be about anything that we understand is temporary, right. which includes our position in society, which includes the ability to gather together in large gatherings like this. That's temporary. Eventually, we're going to get to a point in 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 the end days mm-hmm. where that's no longer going to be possible. So mm-hmm. if that's the fight, then at that moment, we would lose the fight. Right. But we know that we don't lose the fight. Right. So the fight is in individual lives, and I think that's where we've been yeah. losing the fight because we think that our obedience to God is relegated to showing up on Sunday, not in fellowship, but just singing songs, listening to a good word, feeling good about ourselves, going home and trying to be good right. people. Right. Instead of being submitted as a as a citizen of a kingdom that whatever the king says 
goes. And no matter whether it's comfortable or not comfortable, I have to do what I've been commanded by my king to do. And looking at the scripture and what it teaches us to do and doing it and being led by the spirit and Mm -hmm. producing the fruit of the spirit every single day in faithfulness. Mm -hmm. That is the battle. Mm -hmm. That's the battle that has to be won. That's the battle that establishes the kingdom of God. Yeah, man, that's like I said, I'm going to put the link to the video so you guys can check it out. Um, And uh, we believe wholeheartedly that... um, we're just, we're just expressions of who God is to us, who the Holy Spirit reveals himself to us on a daily basis and what it is we're supposed to be doing. And we like sharing those things and those ideas with you and bringing things to light that might not have uh, been illuminated to you. But in that, we want you to go do your own research. Yeah. We want you to, we want you to find out for yourself. Because we both fir- are firmly convinced right. that if you uh, wholeheartedly and open-mindedly go and study the actual Word of God, mm-hmm. invite the Holy Spirit to be on that journey with you, to, to reveal things to you, to teach. That's yep. what the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is, right? The teacher. He's the instructor. He's the one who gives us the words to speak. He's the mm-hmm. one who empowers us to live this life, right? If you do that, if you walk that journey, that you will find these things to be true because that's the yep. journey we've been on. And that's that's where we have Man. begin begun to see how the church culture, the 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 uh, general church culture yeah. uh, of the Western church stands in contrast to what we see in scripture yeah. and what we see Jesus' teachings to be. And yeah. our our goal, our mission in this podcast, just as our mission is in in uh, in engaging in this this social issue that's yeah. that's rising up right now is reconciliation. reconciliation. We want to reconcile the church to its king. Yeah, reconcile Christians to the principles that were taught to us in scripture. Yeah, reconcile us back to what it really means to be believers, mm-hmm. so that we can reach the lost, so that we can make disciples who are actually because Jesus defines disciples as teaching them to obey the commandments that's given you. That's it. So if we're not obeying them, if we don't even know them, because that's not what church culture uh-huh. teaches us anymore. Then how can we make disciples who do that? We're failing in the Great Commission. That's the cost. And it's, yeah, it's not that, about notches the on the bill. It's not about how many people we're reaching with the gospel. It's about are we making disciples yeah. who know His commandments and are following them? Yeah. And you know that's we we've mentioned it before, but it's mm-hmm. worth mentioning specifically. Like there's been people who have blown back on us because they see it as critical. Yeah. And I think even in the, if you'd see the heart and the language of the pastor, when you watch this video and link it, he would probably call us agents of divisiveness, right? Conflict, strife, and, and therefore label us as, as, as actors of, you know, of Satan. Yeah. Heretics, <laughs> whatever divisive, but it, all but it all comes. The Bible says that God corrects those that he loves. Mm-hmm. And and if you see, most of the New Testament exists because God loved the church enough to, through Paul, bring constant teaching and correction. That's all we're trying to do. That's it all doesn't we're come. Doing. It doesn't come from condemnation. It doesn't mm-hmm. come from we want to dismantle the church. It comes from our desire for the church and for individual believers to be everything the Bible calls us That's to right. be. Because we love you. That's right. Because we love the church and because we love the lost who we understand are not being. Uh, not finding reconciliation with God because of our feelings. That's, that's how you make disciples. 
you make disciples by by constantly re- reiterating, this is going to cost you. This is going to cost you. And that's all we're doing. We're yeah. saying this is going to cost you. You can no longer, we can no longer sit in a comfortable place where we don't allow things to bother us. We don't allow the things that bother Jesus to be the same things that bother us. We Instead, we, we have allowed ourselves to be the religious leader and the Levite that walked by and saw the man on the road yeah. beaten and bruised. We've allowed ourselves to put blinders on our eyes and not see the things that are going on in, in, our, in, in our own lives, let alone our brothers' and sisters' lives. And we're just saying, if you really want to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, you have to understand that it is going to cost you. We're just reminding you that it's going to cost you. You might have thought that being a Christian is fine. That's good. No, Jesus asked and is compelling us to follow him. Not just be fine with the derogatory statement, the derogatory name Christian, (laughs) but be a follower of him. And as a follower, it's going to cost you in um, uh, I, I can't I can't echo the statement enough what Jesse said we love the church yeah. we we love the church which we is did, why we would not bother with this we, right <laughs> we, we wouldn't say a word if we didn't we, we would not say a word but um, uh, I, I said this to someone I said this in my post yesterday that um, the church wasn't our idea and pastors the church wasn't your idea so it would behoove you, it would behoove us to change our uh, vocabulary when we say, when we use words like uh, my church, um, my congregation, it doesn't belong to you. It wasn't even, it wasn't your idea to begin with. It wasn't our idea yeah. to begin with. God created it. It was his idea. Or to echo another letter that you right. read, we built this church. We built this, right. It's not ours. It belongs to him and it behooves us to take care of it in a way that brings glory to him and joy to other people and um like jesse said we we love this pastor although when you see this video and you might know him you may think that we don't but we absolutely do um and we love you guys we love the idea of the church and we just want to be good stewards of um what we are learning and what we're sharing because it has nothing to do with us. We don't get nothing from this. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't get nothing from this. So uh, our only our only point, our only goal is to help you grow into the, into the people that God has called you to be because um, that's what we want. Yeah. That, that's what we want to be. Yeah. Um, it's, it's um, yeah. So what is... Just to wrap it up, what is more important right now in this particular climate that, that we're in? Is it that we get back into the church and fight for our constitutional right to, to gather as believers? Or is it to actually fight for the people that Jesus came and yeah. died for? Yeah, fight for equal protection under the law, also constitutional. <laughs> <laughs> That was the lawyer in me. Anyways. Uh, well, did you the post it about the Declaration of yeah. Independence? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It actually supports the citizens' right to 
if necessary, violently overthrow the existing government if it is incapable of protecting the rights that are included in the Declaration of Independence, which all of us know, yeah. that, right? We believe that all mm-hmm. men are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, among yeah. which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, mm-hmm. which has not been provided for a segment of our society. That was written in Philadelphia, our, which was a free state. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Well, Pennsylvania was a free state. So, um, and John Adams was a born again believer, who he was trying to get this written and. In that he was persecuted very much so yeah. um, because of his beliefs in in what Jesus did, what he came to do, and how we were all we were all created yeah. equally. So yeah, um, but yeah, I did. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't have anything to do with the Constitution for right. us as believers. It has to do with the commands of God, and the commands of God are very clear that we have to be right with our brothers and sisters before yes. we can imagine we can be right with Him. And Yo. Um, that's it <laughs> that's yeah. it so if, if you have any questions comments any further topics um, uh, where can you go where can they go to send those uh, yeah you can always post you can always post comment or message us on the Facebook page the faith chair um, or uh, you can email us at faithchairpodcast at gmail.com yeah and what's our new tagline what are we into it? I forget. What are we Was it be led by the Spirit? Is that what you said? Oh, yeah, yeah. I loved it. At the end of the day, like, yeah, that's the most important thing for, the, for, for Christians is we have to remove ourselves from being led by the flesh and be led in the Spirit in all things. That's what the Bible encourages us. And we believe yeah. that if we all individually did that, mm-hmm. that we would see a much different church, a much different country, um, and a much different world. Absolutely. Yo, so y'all have a blessed fake Friday, actual Tuesday. (laughs) Fake Friday. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Join us next time. Yes, please join us next time as Jesse and I continue to ask and answer questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. But until then, we'll see you guys next time here on The The Face Chair. Chair.